Baby, just believe it's just one of them days, just one of them days that your boy go through. And when I'm angry inside, I just want to wake and bake with you. It's just one of them days. I don't want to be all alone. I want to bake and wake on the phone. It's one of them days, just one of them days that your boy goes through when I'm angry inside. Just want to wake and bake with you. Just one of them days, just one of them days when I want to smoke. I just want to roll and talk. I don't wanna think no more. <laughs> Start the show, sweetheart. <laughs> Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, and good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Who Wake and Eat with Bimo Ski. I am your cultural analyst and host this morning, Brian Bimo Brown. Remember the folks remind me to Bimo. Before we take another step forward to the show, let's make sure we're saying good morning to the fingernails of my hand. Okay, the, oppo- <laughs> the opposable thumbs of my genetics. Let's say good morning to the lady of the house, our on-site producer. Good morning, lady of the house. Good morning, sweetheart. How you feeling? Pretty good. Just pretty good? <laughs> Not yeah. fantastic? Not awesome? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like a seven. Eight. A seven? Okay, seven, eight ain't bad. Seven ain't bad. bad. Seven eight ain't bad. Some niggas didn't wake up. They woke up on zero. So that's I'm, true, that's true. I'm very excited for seven. <laughs> uh, we want to give a shout out to the Washington Forever Bridge, WIBridgeDC.com or at WIBridgeDC on all social media platforms so you can stay abreast of all the things that are going on culturally, socially, politically right here in the DMV area and beyond. I need y'all also to subscribe to the new Blueprint newsletter. New Blueprint newsletter, bmobrown.substack.com. Subscribe to all those things. The Paul Rosen, the new Paul Rosen Negro of the Week will be dropping Today, very excited to reveal the written version of that. If you were watching last week, then you already know who the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week is. You're just waiting for the newsletter to come out so you can tell it to your friends and they can write about it and they can talk about it and maybe we can share it with some of these folks and we can gain some popularity and we can, you know, say we can all be Paul Robeson Negroes of the Week. Also, if you're listening now, I need you to come on by on Saturday, this Saturday, to the New Blueprint parlor happening on 9 30 from 12 to 4 if you're smart you like to talk about things we're going to have a curated discussion a little bit of speakeasy speakeasy vibes a little bit of gallery vibes we have a great time definitely come out to the new blueprint parlor this is an opportunity for all of us to activate some of these new blueprints and some of these shit talkings and machinations into real life and incorporate them into real culture i've said this once and i'll say it a thousand times before i do not believe that the full impact of the show is meant for these digital airwaves i think we were actually supposed to reach out and touch somebody's hand make blackness a better place 
if you can. <laughs> <laughs> that is the whole purpose of the show. That and of course singing wonderful tunes. So I appreciate all those who are able to come out to the New Blueprint Parlor, who are able to check out the New Blueprint newsletter. Also, before we move on, this show is being brought to us by the Black Podcast Award nominated. Tell her this podcast. Please, I go ahead and play that clip. Let's get, let's get Rochelle Rochelle on the show. And there will be times where people know, like people within a family know I'm right, but no one will stand up for me. And at the end of the day, it's just like, they showed up like they always do. Anyway, disappointing. That really definitely hurt really bad. You know, I- Did you want your family to fight for you? I did. I thought that maybe somebody would. I will never lie about that. And that's what hurt. It did not. They did not. They never do. You're listening to the Tell Her This podcast, a storytelling podcast for women. Available now on all podcast platforms. Yeah. That is the, yeah, yeah, that's the Rochelle Rochelle. Tell her this podcast. Make sure y'all check that out wherever you get your podcast. It's a serious podcast now. Yeah. It's a serious podcast. They are talking about things that really affect women. So if you need that help in hand, if you need that supportive shoulder, or if you just want to know what the fuck going on with women, because man, sometimes I'd be curious, like what's going on over there? <laughs> good Lord. I, <laughs> the, um, uh, good morning to my folks on Instagram. Right, why? Neil, Nick, Neil, what's up, baby? Carol's booking. You know, we are over on uh, on YouTube. If you want to get the full experience of the show, uh, make sure you hit that link in the bio. It is actually a good time. But um, speaking of, uh, uh, of trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with women, when I was having that conversation with Owen, which will be coming out very soon, the Anmas Media's uh, Meet Your Maker series right now is featuring Nick Neil. Last week was um, Kayla. Before that was Tommy whole class of people that we are very familiar with and very appreciative of uh, when I was talking to Owen I told him I was really into the lady of the house and I was studying your behavior because after watching Barbie I realized that maybe women are code switching at a higher rate than just black folks code switch <laughs> I feel like you know what I'm saying just the, yeah. just, the, just the male nigga maybe I code switch and I quit code switching like 6-7 years ago right uh, and at that point I was just doing two codes yeah. I look at women the lady house talked to her her manager one way she talked to her peers another way she talked to her grandma one way she talked to her mama one way she talked to her brother one way she talked to her, her daddy one way that's not me and she <laughs> talked to me a completely different way that's seven codes <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, codes. That's what you got. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you got, sweetheart. You got seven days of codes going on over there. Um, so, yeah, if you want to hear more about this code switching and some of the internal thought processes of women, because women are really interesting to me, man, I tell you, really interesting to me. Make sure you listen to the Tell Her This podcast, wherever you listen to that. And also follow my girl, Rochelle, who is also a musician mm -hmm. right there on all social media platforms. We appreciate you, Rochelle, for being a new supporter. Well, at least in this form, you're a long supporter of Wake yeah. and Bake with BMO, but at least we want to appreciate that tell her this podcast, mm -hmm. the Black Podcast Award nominated podcast. Uh, we appreciate your support. Thank you for 
listening and listening and listening and reading some of the machinations that are going on over in my head. Now, sweet out, we got all the shout outs out of the way, I think. We got the bridge. Although I'm seeing in the chat, people did not say good morning to the lady of the house. I'm oh. I'm seeing it. It's okay. No, it ain't. Yeah. <laughs> no, it ain't. It ain't okay. We got a comment from BCE meetings. He better say good morning to the lady of the house. I know that. He said, rolling up now, greatest morning show. Keep going, bro. That's a good comment, sweetheart. <laughs> bro and we have some interesting things we want to talk about to you this morning. It is Tuesday, so you means it is time for our Sweet Ots Black Fact. We're going to talk about that. But of course, we're going to have our Blunt Manifestations, a music video by Odd Mojo. Then we have two, I think, two interesting topics to talk about this morning. We want to talk about... I'm trying to think what I want to talk about first. Um, I forgot what my two topics are, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about... Some of the things that are happening within the government, because I feel like they sneaking over into my into my territory, into my cultural, social territory. And then also I want to talk about. Jeez, uh, I forgot the second thing. Uh, Afro, whatever. We t- oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> also want to talk about the first thing I want to talk about. Very interesting subject that I found my homeboy who was an Afrobeats producer based out of Japan, sent me this. He's a black Afrobeats producer from Tallahassee, Marston Fam News Band, moved to Japan to be a professional marcher. I didn't know you could do that, but they have <laughs> professional marching band entertainers over there. Wow. And then stayed, and now he's an Afrobeats producer, because I guess maybe Afrobeats is closer than hip hop, but I don't know. Um, but that's just the music he's chose. He sent me this clip, sweetheart. Uh, I want to play the clip and I want to come back and talk about us. (laughs) I want to come back and talk about us, but I don't mean no FBA shit. So if you're about to get excited, you know what I'm saying? Maybe this ain't the show for you. Go ahead and play the clips we are. Name's Luke Zakotti, 24, Afrobeats artist from Manchester. Afrobeats! No! Man went, he was appalled! What type of, like, what what vibe? I get uh, compared to be young a lot. What about Burner Boy? Does anyone compare you to him? That's not possible. That's not possible. (laughs) What's the best lyric you've ever wrote? Ooh. That's a good question. Best lyric I've ever wrote? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you ask a songwriter that, because I write my own songs, so. Oh, and you can't think of one lyric? What's, what's, what's a lyric? Do you know what? My favourite one, my most recent one is, I think it's Yoruba. It's Tobawa Mumagbe Afikbai for your case, you know? You understand that? Say it again, please. Tobawa Mumagbe Afikbai for your case, you know? If you come, I'll carry, I can die for your case. How does all that story? <laughs> I'll carry, yes. what are you carrying? <laughs> What are you carrying? Someone stitched me up there. Yeah, someone is Danny, bro. <laughs> I tell her, baby, mm, don't stop. The way she do that thing make me mad at oh. all. I tell her, baby, come back up. Ooh. Do that thing make me mad at oh. all. She not regular, spin my medulla. So I tell her, baby, come back up. I tell her, baby, come back up, back up, back up. And if your love is a crime, then I must be a criminal. Then I must be, then I must be. I'm not gonna lie. Number three sounded good. I mean, I didn't understand what he was saying. But then again, I never understand what Burner Boy is saying in half his songs, but I, I like his music. Number three, why Afrobeats? So it wasn't like my first choice, like I was pop R&B. 
And then I met my producer, who's Nigerian, and he was like, yeah, you know what, Afrobeats, I reckon you'd sound cold on that. And what's the reception you, you get when you make Afrobeats music? Luckily, not that bad. Have you traveled to like Africa? Nah, so we're hoping this year, if not January, February, Nigeria, yeah. You're an Afrobeats singer, you've never been to Nigeria. <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Burn boy, funny as hell, sweetheart. <laughs> you make Afrobeats, but you've never been to Nigeria. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, do you got to go to Nigeria to make Afrobeats? Let me just give you a quick history real quick, because I don't want to be uh, mansplaining Afrosplaining real quick. But here's something I learned when I was researching Afrobeats and the history of Afrobeats. Afrobeats with an S, which yeah. is different than Afrobeat. Mm -hmm. Right? So Afrobeat starts with Fela Kuti in Nigeria in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Funny thing enough is that in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, niggas from America heard Fela Kuti, sampled it, put it in the hip hop songs. Yeah. Funny enough, then the Nigerians hear the hip-hop songs with the Fela Kuti samples, and they create a completely different genre, which is an amalgamation of a whole bunch of different African hip-hop-inspired hip beats called Afro Beats. Mm -hmm. So essentially, Afro beat, hip-hop, Afro Beats is a conversation of culture happening between West Africa and America for about 50 years. Hmm. Uh, and the video we just watched just now was Burner Boy and a whole bunch of other Afrobeat artists watching a white boy sing Afrobeats. And they're looking at him with confusion. They're looking at him as if he's rare. <coughs> and to which I have to ask the question to them and also to myself, is there any form of music art from black peoples that is safe from white consumption and reproduction? Hmm. How long did it take in hip hop for the first white boy to rap? Wasn't that like the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> Rick Rubin is half the founding members of Def Jam. <laughs> right. But I think you and I would confidently say that hip hop is a black American art form. Right. Afrobeats has been around probably for a while, but I think we have known about it maybe the last 10, 11 years, maybe. Mm -hmm. I remember when Kanye went to Africa, sat down with an Afrobeats dude and put it up on Instagram and niggas was like, what is that? <laughs> now, of course, the, you know what I'm saying? The enlightened, you know what I'm saying? The beat, the, the cognizanti, they will say, oh, I've known about Afrobeats this whole time. Okay, cool, player. You awesome. Nice. Good job. <laughs> Good job. But for the rest of us, maybe about 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. How long did the Africans think it would take before white boys started reproducing their music? Hasn't Justin Bieber already been on a song with Tim's? Yeah. And Wizkid. And Wizkid. So, I, I guess I'm trying to put a qualifying measure on it. I'm trying to put a pejorative on it. How do I feel about white folks on Afrobeats? I think it's the same way I feel about Elvis. I think it's the same way I feel about the Beastie Boys and Eminem and what's a white R&B singer? Um, I don't know why <laughs> John B. first nigga that came to my mind. Just how old I am. I was thinking Tina Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Not Tina Marie though. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not Tina Marie though. Okay. Give me another white 
R&B singer. Who's a white R&B oh, Justin singer? Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so, not to be in my FBA shit, because I'm, I truly don't um, believe is the wrong word, but I don't subscribe to the same passion and energy as the Tariq Nasheeds uh, as it pertains to the protection and the alienation of, or the protection and isolation of black American culture away from other cultures. But I think you and I have run ourselves into this conversation a couple of times. How do we protect black culture from whiteness? Or is it inevitable? Ooh, I have a, man, it's not related to music, but it's related to that. that Talk to me. I saw a video of these two, I think they were like, Oh, 12 and 13. So it's Gen Alpha. Um, one was a white boy. One was like Asian. Mm-hmm. And this guy was interviewing them. They were in New York. But all the slang they were using was black slang. And then the guy actually brought that point up. And he was like, um, how do you feel about, you know, people saying that, not even people saying, but you're using, because they were saying like, on God, no cap, like yeah. that whole thing. And he was like, how do you feel about that being colloquially known as like black terms or, you know, black slang? And then the white boy was like, uh, they don't own these phrases. Like I can say them. Yeah. That whole, that whole thing. Like just because, you know, <laughs> and it was crazy to see a, a 13 year old have that mindset. Hmm. Right. They don't own these phrases. So I wonder if that's like, why was phrase? ownership his first thought though? What does, what does ownership got to do with like, you can't own a word, my nigga. Like, what does ownership have to do with you being culturally appropriate to use certain language? Right. You don't own fuck, but you don't say that around your parents. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, that's Janalva. But Jan- yeah, yeah. You know, Janalva also gonna be stupid. I hope you know this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Janalva is going to be systemically dumb. <laughs> they don't know this. They would, man, they was on the right rack. They was on the right track too. Right. Stupid Corona. <laughs> now y'all could be the dumbest generation in American history. Dumber than the, uh, dumber than the, than the greatest generation who went to war at 15 voluntarily. Dumbasses. <laughs> I ain't going, I ain't getting into them. Um, yeah, but that, <laughs> I just don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I want to be brave. <laughs> Nigga, you ain't finished 10th grade yet. What you say, sweetheart? Yeah, that ties into the, um, the mindset of the white boys who, make I guess typical black music or genres that were originally ascribed to blackness right we we talked about this before we said that one way that black culture can be protected from whiteness is through language but then in this video we see this white boy singing Yoruba Mm -hmm. which is probably the blackest language there is yeah next to Tulsa Tulsa (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean that's about as black as you can get that's about as diasporic as you can go that's as deep into the motherlands you can go so like how how are we supposed to protect black culture from whiteness are we or are we supposed to protect culture our culture from whiteness I don't see this is a terrible example but like I don't see the Italians trying to hide spaghetti <laughs> or is it the or is it to the white boys point on the street in the in, in New York, that like we just need the proper context and credit. That's a good question. Because but then even to the context and credit, like we don't own that. But if if we don't protect our culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-mm. 
Is our culture in American words? Afrobeats is a little different, yeah. I think. Right. The Afro beats is also an imagination of hip hop and then the original Afro beats by Fela Kuti. So to see white folks come in and, and attempt to do that, why does that upset us? I was going to say because it feels like we can't have anything to ourselves, but it's not, it's not ours, you know? Especially since it's an amalgamation of Afro beat and hip hop. Do you think, so in hip-hop, we have seen Eminem be one of the most commercially successful artists in hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Standing next to Nelly, Jay-Z, some of the greatest rappers and entertainers that have been in hip-hop history. Do you think that same pattern would exist if white boys jumped into Afrobeats? Do you think white boys could dominate the genre? Do you think there could be an Afrobeats Elvis? That's crazy. (laughs) I hope not. Which also leads to the question, are white people listening to Afrobeats? Right. It don't seem like niggas want to listen to Afrobeats if you go on the Twitter. Right. But see, my issue with him specifically is that he said it wasn't even his first choice. No, it was his producer's idea. Right, right. So it's not even like he has an appreciation and love for the culture. It's like. <laughs> but he learned he learned the culture enough to learn the language. But it wasn't correct, apparently. Or he was just saying gibberish. He was saying gibberish. <laughs> he basically Google translated right. how to speak in the Yoruba situation. Yeah. That's an interesting thought, sweetheart. Is there ever going to be, should there ever be, a black cultural asset that is exclusive to black culture? And could that thing be music? Could it be art? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. Although I will say a black cultural asset could be like the way we style our hair. Yeah, but you seen that white girl try to put braids in and lost all her hair. Exactly. Mm. Mm. I wonder what the people think. I want to hear from the Wake and Bake with Bemo Nights. Is there a way to protect black culture from whiteness? Do we think that white folks will eventually succeed in Afrobeats? Is that too far? Is that too deep? Bieber did it. I'm wondering what his success was and why they tapped Justin Bieber to be on the song WizKid. Right. <laughs> we do have some comments, though. What we got, sweetheart? What are people saying? Okay, it's interesting that this one's not showing up on, on the live chat on YouTube, but... I'm going to start from the bottom or from the whatever. Okay. Detroit River says in this context, it's a losing battle. Hot take slash morning idea. I think quote unquote blackness only exists when the context within the context of whiteness. Whiteness is a construct that doesn't mean anything. Therefore being offended by whiteness imposing themselves. Oh, imposing themselves in this context is a losing battle. Come on, pull us back to the thesis of the show. Right. <laughs> Read it again. Hot take morning idea. I think blackness only exists when the co- within the context of whiteness. Whiteness is a construct that doesn't mean anything. Therefore, being offended by whiteness imposing themselves in this context is a losing battle. Mm. And then he says, blackness is inherent. They can copy the style, but they can never have the soul. Exactly. So then what's the fear? So then should we be welcoming the white boys into, into Afrobeats? Oh, should we be welcoming our, all artists into Afrobeats? 
is it something to be protected? I like the, I like the thought that Jordan says that blackness only exists in the context of whiteness. So if we're deeming Afrobeats, which is actually a conversation between Africa and America through the diasporic of blackness, diasporic through the black diasporic, through the black, black, black Jesus, what am I saying? <laughs> What I'm saying, I like the idea that Jordan is saying that blackness only exists within the context of whiteness. And essentially, Afrobeats is not, maybe may not be of blackness. Afrobeats might be of African culture, African culture throughout the diaspora. So introducing white people into this African culture is something that we shouldn't be worried about. We should be worried about great artistry, not the people who will be parasites. That also has a also has a tinge of the thought that like we should be okay with the financial success that white people will make as long as we're still pushing the culture forward. Right. Are niggas okay with that? Exactly. Um, Micah says, "Good morning." Number What's one, up, Micah? Good morning, man. Hey, Micah. Number one, we're bothered because of subconscious scarcity creates insecurity, makes mm-hmm. us overprotective. Mm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hmm. Um, G Unit Lewis says, "I think that good music will always rise to the top, no matter race. Art can't be denied greatness. That's real." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plan on talking about this, but I guess we could talk about this. Uh, I, I interviewed a uh, a DJ from Black Rave Culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was on Friday of last week. Interviewed him. This is the individual Black Rave Culture is the group who brought Boiler Room to DC. So all my electronic music fans, all my house music fans, all the, that wave is going crazy in DC. Mm-hmm. Every time I go to a party, niggas is listening to house like it's 1992. <laughs> uh, and then the DJs online saying that we should be listening to house and we should be over trap music and we should be over Af- Afrobeats. We should be. Uh, plugged into electronic dance music. So I had this conversation with this electronic dance music DJ. And uh, while they were explaining to me what drill was, I asked him, had he ever heard or what's his relationship with Luther Vandross? Because <laughs> when I hear drill music, I hear the opposite of Luther Vandross. I hear a very monotoned, very even, uh, even... Uh, syncopation, mm-hmm. rap, one note. Right. So I told the fellas, I said, I need you to play me the the Luther Vandross of drill. And they played me a nigga who instead of singing one note through his drill, he sang one and a half notes in his drill. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally mean he went half, half a step one time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm telling you this because I asked this young man who does not create his own sounds, who said to me in response to his relationship with Luther Vandross that he thought melody and music theory and chords and progressions were of the past. Why would he create something new when there is a history of beautiful music to pull from? This is what this young man said to me. Mm. And my question to him, which is also my question to Afrobeats, is if we are not worried about gentrification, if we are not worried about scarcity, as Micah says, how are you talented? <laughs> how are you good? Right. What's your skill? How do I judge if you're better than the next person? 
This young man looked me dead in the face and he said, this is my experience. This 22 year old kid said, my experience as a person mm-hmm. makes me a great musician. What? Asked him if he could dance. He said he can't dance. <laughs> he said his experience as a person. And sure enough, in talking to this young man, found out he has dual citizenship here and Kenya. He's been going to Nairobi since he was two years old. That's where his mother is from. Mm -hmm. He lives in a very international neighborhood. He's from very international places. So when you listen to his music, it is all samples from very international things. Not the obvious samples that we hear on the radio, which is basically remixes of the past, but we're hearing an amalgamation of sounds filtered to an individual who has heard all of these sounds but cannot create these sounds. Is that considered skill? And I'm asking that because this white boy in Afrobeats is going to be doing the same thing. He's going to be pulling from sounds from the past, pulling from language of people of the past, pulling from the tropes that are Afrobeats, but not truly creating something new because he is not if of, is of, or throughout the culture. Not not even been to Nigeria. So how could he build upon a genre that is based out of a place that he has never experienced and doesn't seem too interested in experiencing? Do I need to shift my mindset on what talent is? Should we celebrate this white boy in Afrobeats because we finally get to hear a white perspective of Afrobeats? We get to hear the UK perspective of Afrobeats? And while I'm turning my nose up, I was also the same kid who loved NSYNC. (laughs) I wanted to hear the white version of New Edition. I didn't know it at the time, but that's what it was. I don't know. We got more comments we are? I'm I'm still struggling on the idea of talent. (laughs) Because I feel like talent is the ability to do something that the typical average person can't, right? Exactly. Right. I'm gonna just leave it there. <laughs> and so, do you do you think experience is a fuel for talent? I think it's a fuel, but it doesn't necessarily make you talented, right? Hmm. I wonder if we're old. Maybe. I wonder if our because I'm thinking right now, there's like. If you're more complex, that makes you more talented, right? With this argument? No, just in general. Like if you're a painter, instead of painting just red squares, if you can paint pictures of Ukraine, (laughs) I don't even know why this came to my mind, but like if if you can uh, perfectly replicate Ukraine, but you're just painting red squares, wouldn't we say the nigga who's painting Ukraine is more talented? Is that an old thought? I I wouldn't feel like it's fair to automatically assume that the person who paints Ukraine is more talented because the person who paints the red square might have better technique or like, you know, might use shading or I don't know. (laughs) You're still talking about complexity though. True. So are we old? Is that a, the definition you gave of skill just or talent just now is the ability to do something that other people can't do. Is that what you said? That the average person can't, or like that the typical person can't do, yeah. So in thinking about this young man that I interviewed, does the average black person have dual citizenship citizenship in Kenya? That's not talent, though. Why not? 
what's talented about that? That's that's what the young man was saying. This is this is the this is the conundrum, sweetheart. This is the conundrum that I, I think it is existing on this generational line. There is okay, I talked to Chris Pirate like a long time ago now, and that's been like five years. Yeah. Um Chris Pirate has told me several times that he wouldn't call himself like a master painter. Can he paint? Absolutely. But he says the thing that separates him from other painters is that he just filters his experience through his skill set, which is painting. Okay. Right? Now, you and I would say because he can paint coherently, that is a skill that other people can't do. But just hold on to me for a second. Because he said the thing that separates him from other painters is his ability to filter his experience through his painting. Now, Chris Pirate has been a comic book uh, director. He started his own comic book line. He's been a fashion guy. He's also of the generation that watched Rugrats. So when you look at his flowers and they're all Rugrats colors, it makes sense, right? So to a certain degree, although he used his hand to do it, if he had never experienced Rugrats, maybe we would never have that color powered in flowers. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So... um, to get back to the young man whose dual citizenship whose dual citizenship is in Kenya, is it easy for you and I to get dual citizenship in Kenya? I, I don't know. I've never tried. But I, to your point, yeah, his experience being a dual citizen is what makes him, you know, I guess that, that gives him this perspective. But that doesn't necessarily mean just because you're a dual citizen, that automatically means you're talented. I agree. But what what I'm saying and what he's saying and maybe what I'm arguing is that maybe perspective is talent. Yeah. You think perspective is talent? No, I'm I'm saying like I hear what you're saying. Yeah, maybe perspective is talent, especially now that we're in a new age of what seems to be skill. We talked about my man October London, mm-hmm. right? Like, is he talented, or is he just a great replicator and respecter of Marvin Gaye? even to the point of like samples are you talented or can you just find things is that a talent that's that's why i'm struggling because i'm like because <laughs> if you have dual citizenship which means you're listening to different sounds on the regular you're being exposed to different things different sounds he might have heard Afrobeats when he was two years old and a boy 22 so i mean you know what i'm saying mm. Okay. Um, we got some comments. And Alex is on the line. What's up, Alex? I'm talking about our interview, man. Hey. Come on over to YouTube, brother. Okay, so the part two of what Michael was saying, mm-hmm. he said, number two, white people could have success in Afrobeats. The fear exists because the path is legit. Whether we admit it or not, we con- we consistently allow success without valid qualification. October London. <laughs> allow success without validation. Quali- valid qualifications. Valid qualifications. And I think that's what we're talking about. I think we're talking about what are, what are qualifications. Yeah, right. Because I'm beginning to think, when this young man said to me that music theory, chords, melody, all these people created all these things in the past before, why would I try to improve on them? That, that such an interesting thought. What if we are at the peak of musical possibility? Hmm. What are the comments we got, sweetheart? Um, 
Jordan says, the industry does not equal culture. It does not. G-Unit Lewis says, and that will be the divide, the division between an industry cashing in on a wave or movement of the culture rather than a purist putting their soul into their art in the genre or field. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kendall said, good morning, beautiful people. Good morning, man. Hey, Kendall. We also got good morning from Rochelle. Good morning, Rochelle. Hey, hey who's talking about you? Yeah. And Jordan earlier said, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um... G Unit Lewis also said earlier, Eminem said something about this on his most recent feature on Realist. What'd he say? <laughs> what did he say? Um, BCE meetings earlier also said because that's how he was raised, different households talking about the I don't know if he was talking about the the Gen Alpha kids or if he yeah. was talking about the I understand. Yeah. Um let's see. Jordan says, We know we who know better can't be validating or celebrating BS. I think the question might be valid versus talent. We are old in terms of pop culture. I think finding good samples is like getting a good curator. Mm-hmm. G-Unit Lewis says, I believe talent is the ability to do something that others maybe cannot, but you can be talented and not be gifted as well. Oh. It's just you have the ability to do something I can't. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that... Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which could be dual citizenship in Kenya. <laughs> okay. uh, Micah says experience or perspective informs or enhances talent, but is not talent in itself. See pepperoni on pizza. Exactly. That I I agree, but we might be wrong, and by wrong I mean like the definition might have changed on us. That's straight up like well the uh uh. And I can put the white boy from Afro Beats away because I want to talk about this young man for a second. When I talk about when I talk about the possibility that maybe we have come to a musical peak, uh, I think about it in terms of a graph, mm-hmm. right? I'm sorry, I got to do the graph thing for you, right? So like, through time is constantly moving forward, and as we have gone through time, I feel like the possibilities of music have reached an all-time high to the point now there is a man who is trying who has plugged into an algorithm all the possible melodies that have existed in an attempt to find all the possible melodies that can exist so far he's at like 2,000 melodies that he's trying to find and put into the public domain so that nobody can copyright them I think we are at a point musically where maybe you can't get more talented Maybe we are at a point where talent is kind of like, well, it's possible for anybody to be talented, especially if I can just look back in history and pull out other talented niggas. So if that's the case, how does music move forward? And I think it's a decline. (laughs) I I think after having this conversation, I think what happens after having conversations with this young man, after having a realization that maybe talent is no longer about physical skill, but actually about privilege and position and experience, maybe this is just a decline of music. Hmm. Maybe this is what it has to look like before we get back to the good stuff again. I would say that hip hop was really good uh, at 03, 04, 05. Then 06, niggas started dancing, wearing big ass clothes, and we was in the Soldier Boy ringtone era for about five, six years. Then it came back with a bang. 
maybe this is just a moment where white boys are in Afrobeats <laughs> because that is the that is the algorithmic most popular music in the world. Therefore, we have to be algorithmically successful. We have to be commercialable, commercially viable. Therefore, let's do this thing. Hmm. Uh, Kendall says there's always room for innovation in music. Technology has just made us lazy. Yeah, it has. And then Jordan says, I think uniqueness is marketing. And what now? Uniqueness is marketing. Interesting. And G Unit Lewis says, my skin color is still working against me because second, I should be to none being white. Ain't why they put me on at five. That's why they can't put me on at one. Eminem said that. Oh. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's do this, sweetheart. Uh, the blunt is rolled. What time? What time are we on the show? Uh, forty. Damn. Jeez. The <laughs> blunt is rolled. We're gonna take a quick break. I want y'all to put y'all blunt manifestations into the chat. We're gonna come back with our blunt manifestations right now. I need you to watch Odd Mojo Space. We'll be right back with more. Who wake it ain't we be mo white boys stay out of Europe and Afro beats till I learned Europe language. Yeah. Damn. How you got it before I did? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> No, he really don't. Hey, yo, bro. Yeah, wake up. Where's my packages? Uh, it's in the back. Bro, you do this every time. Oh, shit. It was good, bro. It's so good to see you. Yo, it's been a minute. I know. What you been? What you been up to? I'm good, bro. I'm kind of tight because he keep fucking up my packages. Oh, Losing them God. every week. You know how it be yeah, over here. it's always something with the concierge. Oh, my God, bro. It's all right, bro. You probably you know you shit, too, that she ordered. You exactly. lost my smoothie. I don't know exactly. what happened. The usual, the usual. But what's up, though? What's up with you? You're going to that rooftop party. You going tomorrow? Oh, oh, see, I don't know. I kind of, I'm about to start writing some music. Mm, I'm in my okay, okay. I have a lot of thoughts about stuff. Okay, I feel that. about you? You go. I just thought the anniversary for me and Davon is tomorrow, oh. so we may slide or I don't know. Yeah, you on that cuffy shit. I feel you. Know what you. Um, well, let me know. Hit me up and okay. I'll, I'll pull up with you if you go. You be off your solitude vibes. I don't you know, know I'm always on my space vibes. I like my own space. You already okay. know. But I'll let you know. I might, but I'm really thinking about writing some music. Okay. You want to? Yeah, I'm going to go up because he sucks and okay. you lost my packages. Yeah. So, yeah. See, you know what? That's cool because that's exactly why I be eating your door dance. That's exactly why you're doing that. Wow. 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 <laughs> Yo, babe, look, look. <laughs> Yo, do you see this? TikTok is so wild. Like. <laughs> Yo, wait, where you going? Babe. Babe. Where you going? Hey. Hey. Yo, I need some space right now. I need some space, space. Yeah, I need some space right now. I need some space, space. Yo, I need some space right now. I need some space, space. Whoa, hey, whoa, hey, yeah. I need some space right now, six feet away, get your own J, nigga. I'm smoking on a personal, ayo, oh, and this is personal, whoa. Be careful of the energy you project. Sign telling me you don't really care. Living life on the edge, nah, I don't want that near. Yo, they say, uh, they say a lot of things, but they don't really mean. 
Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to Waking with Bree Mo. Yeah. Tata. <laughs> uh, welcome back, y'all. It's just us. It's you and I. It's uh, it's YouTube and X and the lady of the house and about eight people on. I appreciate y'all for joining us this morning. I hope you appreciate it. Odd Mojo Dojos. Space. Excuse me. Mm -mm. That was gross. I'm not supposed to burp on the show. <laughs> you burp all of them, Mike. God, man. <laughs> um, as we are back, we got a couple of things we want to talk about. Of course, it's time about time for our blunt manifestations. Then after our blunt manifestations, we're going to have Sweetheart's Black Fact. And then we're going to end the show with some with some social cultural news. Uh, as always, I need y'all to throw them blunt manifestations into the comments. OK, we need to know what the people are trying to build and grow and and manifest and, and do so we can put those things out into the air. Lady House, you are first this time. Oh, Lord. I'm not ready. What's you manifesting? <laughs> what am I manifesting? Um. I would like to, I think I've, I've manifested this before, but I would like to spend more time with family. Oh. Yeah. What do you say? Oh. <laughs> manifest, manifest some family time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. That's nice. Yeah. Um, let's see here. I... Okay, we definitely still need that car. Mm. Um, but also, what was I thinking just now? Manifesting the car, the radio show, of course, the financial success, strength, strength, courage, and wisdom, clarity from my friends around the conversation. And also, you know what I'm saying? I want to manifest a very productive conversation on Saturday for the new Blueprint Parlor. Okay. okay, for the individuals who don't know, on Saturday we're having another Blueprint Parlor. This will actually be our fourth parlor that we've hosted over the last year. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have some strong opinions or if you want to see some of these new blueprints actually be implemented in real life, 
this is where you need to be on Saturday, 12 to 4. The link is in my bio right now. If you aren't signed up for the new Blueprint newsletter, uh, definitely sign that up. So I want to, you know what I'm saying, I want to I want to manifest a great conversation happening there for all individuals who can show up to show up and be healthy while we're there in the fruitful conversation so that we can have what I think will be one of the most important projects in blackness since the 1619 project. And that's the thing that we're starting at the new blueprint parlor. So I definitely need y'all to come through. What are the people saying, sweetheart? Okay, so Chrissy P. Hey. Um, she says manifesting prosperity growth and abundance peace health and wealth for our highest and greatest good okay i love that um g unit lewis says complete the cdl classes yeah get it done baby yeah rochelle rice says today is ruth's 12th birthday (laughs) my man ruth my girl excuse not my man my girl ruth Manifesting abundant love, grace, and presence to bear witness to this next chapter of her life. Oh. Big 12. Right. Oh, wow. boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Big 12. Uh-oh. And Jordan says, some placements for my single and being a full-time artist. Fact, well, you love got a that. place right here for your single, I'll tell you right. that. Right. The way we sing. <laughs> you know what, sweetheart, sweetheart, for us? <laughs> it's easier to go to jail than to go to college. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, exactly, sweetheart. Exactly. We've been saying that all weekend, George. Just so in case you didn't know, <laughs> somebody heard us over the weekend. Like, damn, these niggas is really down bad. Right. Because for us, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna get the manifestations popping, y'all. Remember, manifestations don't really happen without action. So, like, you know what I'm saying you can manifest a radio show, but you ain't put the EPK together. You ain't gonna get that radio show player. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You manifest peace, courage, and wisdom, but if you out here you know, disturbing the peace, maybe, you know what I'm saying, maybe you need to rethink, yeah. maybe to manifest disruption. <laughs> um, let's do this, though, sweetheart. It's time for the Sweetheart's Black Fact. What you got for us today? Okay. Um, let's go with, let's go with this one. <laughs> okay, remember. He, he, he's hilarious. Here we go. <laughs> Remember Pythagoras? And yeah, I do he, remember Pythagoras. Okay, this is kind of it's kind of similar. Why are you triggering me this morning? Imhotep <laughs> um, of ancient Egypt was the real father of medicine, not Hippocrates. It doesn't actually say that, but you know, uh, he lived about 2300 BC. Greece and Rome had their knowledge of medicine from him. In Rome, he was worshipped as the prince of peace in the form of a black man. His Ethiopian portraits show him a Negro. Imhotep was also a prime minister to King Zoser, as well as the foremost architect of his time. The saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, has been traced to him. Hippocrates, the so-called father of medicine, lived 2,000 years after Imhotep. <laughs> That's crazy. Why are you triggering me this morning? Sorry, I should have gone with the other one. Well, it's okay. <laughs> um, it's okay. This is, I'm not surprised, though. And there's there's statue, oh, it's talking about the the child Christ, Statues of the Madonna, so Mary and Imhotep are all in Rome, and they're all like black. Yeah. They call him the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Ain't that Jesus' nickname? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yes, yeah, a whole little paragraph, but I'm not gonna read that. Why not? Okay. It's the sweet ass black fact. Okay. Gerald Massey says of Imhotep, the child Christ remained a starly bejeweled black amour as the typical healer in Rome. 
Jesus, the divine healer, does not retain the black complexion of Imhotep in the canonical Gospels, but he does in the Church of Rome when represented as a little black bambino. A jeweled image of the child Christ as a black amour is sacredly preserved at, at the headquarters of the Franciscan order and true to its typical character as a symbolical likeness of Usa, the healer. The little black figure is taken out in state with its regalia on to visit the sick and demonstrate the supposed healing power of this Egyptian Esculapius, thus Christianized. The virgin mother, who was also black, survived in Italy as in Egypt. At Europa near Bieta, the Madonna and her child Christ are not white, but black as they so often were in Italy of old, and as the child is yet conditioned in the little black Jesus of the eternal city. Surely the profoundest sigh of an ever-worn world went up to heaven in the cult of Imhotep, who was worshipped as the giver of rest, the, the Kemite prince of peace. The statuettes of Imhotep in the Cairo Museum show his negroid features. They are reproduced in G. Darcy's catalog, General de Antiquities, Egyptians, the Musée de Cairo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. So you saying Emotep is the healer yeah. and prince of peace. Yeah. You see my face? <laughs> uh, Jordan says I love this black back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh who made the triangle? Who's the nigga who didn't make the triangle? Damn. What's his name? Pythagoras. Yeah, yeah. Oh, who didn't? Yeah. So you're saying Hippocrates is not the father of medicine. He's stealing the brand of Emotep mm -hmm. from 2,000 years before. Yeah, right. Nick, uh, Nico called me the other day and said that the that the timeline for nostalgia is becoming shorter because of technology. Hmm. And I'm wondering if Hippocrates was part of the long... Because how... I just don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how, unless it was just straight up like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna steal the brand. Like if you were ancient Greece and Rome, right, and they got the statues of the dude who's the real father of medicine, mm -hmm. how you put out an ad saying <laughs> I'm the father of medicine? Two thousand years later, I, <laughs> we've already discovered all these things. Like, what do you? <laughs> is that so? You saying the hypocrisies and soldier boy the same person? <laughs> Wait, why Soulja Boy? I thought because Soulja Boy always like I'm the first rapper to do etc <laughs> etc. Et I'm like nigga, no, you not. <laughs> Are you saying Hippocrates and Soulja Boy of the same intellectual uh, genealogy? I only want to say Soulja Boy is slightly different because he did he did create a, a new lane. <laughs> I mean, so did Hippocrates. <laughs> <laughs> I created a new land. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not speaking ancient Egyptian. I'm speaking Greek. <laughs> you ain't never had these words translated before. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't know. Is that related to the skilled experience conversation? Is that like Hippocrates didn't have no skill? He was like, I've been to Egypt, baby. <laughs> I got dual citizenship in Egypt, baby. Hmm. This makes me, this reminds me of a, a article that I wrote uh, for Superman at the time, which I think might have been the tipping point, hilarious enough, um, about Pythagoras. Mm -hmm. It came to my attention, Pythagoras theory, who's the, Pythagoras is the dude that you and I were raised to think invented the, the triangle, yeah. who had the math of the triangle. When in actuality, it's like the pyramids and the people who built the pyramids existed. 2,000, almost 3,000 years before him. Right. 
So how you how you how did you invent the triangle in two D when niggas made the pyramids in three D? Right. I learned also while doing research in this that the math for the pyramids is on the pyramids wall. Oh wow. It's like it's like it's, the Pythagoras theorem is on the wall. Wow. Two is like the the hypothesis is three, the one side is two and the other side is one. It's like oh that's the oh that is the equation for <laughs> how to find the hypotenuse. That's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But somehow this nigga hypotenuse <laughs> and his crew, because it wasn't just him, it was a cult of people. They discovered the triangle. Right. Oh, Natalie said Morton and <laughs> hey Natalie. Jordan says Bieber is the modern lineage of Hippocrates. How'd <laughs> <laughs> you you didn't come up with this? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I wonder how much more of this has happened in history, you know? You know what? While I'm sitting there asking, like, how did this happen? Like, this thing in Florida is happening right now. Because I'm thinking about who taught us that, who taught us about uh, the the triangle? Right. It was the school system. Mm -hmm. They told us that. That's not true. Right. (laughs) It's not his theory. It was already proven by somebody. How is it a theory? And we built the thing. Right. It's been proven. It's been. It's right here. But you know, aliens built the pyramids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alien in intellect, but not in species. Right. Anyways, okay, we are. That. Huh? That was a bar. Right. They can't think like us. We can't think like them. Right. That's a mistake. Mm-hmm. That's a wild thought, though. You and I are closer to the live birth of Christ. Yeah. Than that nigga was to discovering the pyramids. Come on. <laughs> That's actually well. Come here, come on. <laughs> and that also makes me. That also makes me think about how do we know what we know? Exactly. Because until now, you just knew Pythagoras came up with the pyramid with the with the triangle. You just knew it. Mm-hmm. You don't know why you know. You just know it. Right, and don't even question it. Don't even question it. <laughs> Jordan said, "How is it a theory?" And it's right there. It's right there. <laughs> There are triangles right here. Yeah. We got plenty right. triangles. We made a whole 3D triangle. Right. This is. That's right. This is a triangle. It's a triangle. I drew it over my eyes this morning. Like it was a. What are we saying? What are we saying right now? Dumbass. All right, sweetheart. We got another topic we want to get to. Okay. Uh, and I'm glad Natalie joined in because we. I like to bring up Natalie when I'm talking about the king. <laughs> I cannot wait. If I ever get a chance, I cannot wait to meet the king. It has. Um, I had never thought about the ability to split society into two sections and come up with two sets of solutions. Mm-hmm. I studied political science when I was in school. Always loved government and history when I was coming up. I told her later, I was yesterday that in middle school, we had to, uh, we had a, uh, an assignment where we had to memorize the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And it was like, a, what's the test where you get later, graded on the scale? Uh, you mean the, the curve? Yeah, on the curve, right? So it was graded on the curve. So like, you know that middle school? Yeah, that was, was middle school. Crazy. That was the only test we had on the curve. Oh, wow. 
But the idea was like, most people are not going to be able to memorize the whole constitution. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't fuck the curve up. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsies. Um, I've always been fascinated with systems of people and how people operate and how people govern themselves. So when I talk about the king, I'm talking about the, the social side of governance versus the policy side of government, in which I long subscribed to the thought that the law influences social policy. It is not the end-all, be-all of social policy, right? Mm-hmm. I slap you in the face. I'm not waiting. Well, I'm sorry. You slap me in the face, not you laid in the house, some random nigga. Random nigga slaps me in the face. I'm like not waiting two years for the law system to get justice. No, I'm slapping you back. <laughs> what? <laughs> The law don't say slap your back. That's my uh, feeling. I'm slapping your back. Isn't that the two-piece of the... <laughs> that's the, and that's the original blueprint, blueprint law over here. That's the two-piece law. You threaten me, I owe you two slaps. <laughs> At least. Right. The two-piece law. Come on, another throwback, sweetheart. Come on, the two-piece law. Yeah. Um, but I feel like... Uh, again, this is this might be in response to the presidential election that's coming up. I feel like things have gotten real social in the government recently. <laughs> Let me ask you this question, sweetheart. Okay. Uh, let's say you worked at an office with a formal dress code. Mm-hmm. And every day you came to work in what you called formal. Yeah. Right? You came to work what you called formal. But then the, the, the company said, that's not formal, right? Can you describe to me what your attempt at a formal outfit would be? Like a business formal? Yeah. I think it'd be like- Oh, like the Senate. I don't know. Like he was going to work at the Senate. <laughs> just, just for- <laughs> just, just for example. If, if the Senate said you have to dress formally mm-hmm. and you said, this is my form of formal. Yeah. Describe your dress code. Describe what you would wear. Head to toe, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wake and bake will be one nice. You do the same. It'll be a full suit. You would wear a full suit. Yeah, either pants or a skirt, like slacks. Yeah. Um, now, what thing from what thing would you be wearing that the Senate said, "Oh, that's not formal. That's not appropriate." What, what do you think that thing would be? Maybe okay. If I'm wearing a suit, I think the only things would probably be either my hair or my shoes. Right. Hair or shoes, sneakers, yeah. afro. Right, right. That's what you would think is that would be appropriate, inappropriate dress. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That would be the thing that, oh, we're going to call the Dove Act to yeah. make sure that our hair is appropriate. Right. Right. Uh, and as I think about this, I'm also thinking about the young man who's been in suspension in Texas for three weeks now because Texas wants him to cut his locks, although the student handbook said his hair has to be above his shoulder. So he got it wrapped up. But the student, they said, that's not good enough. We want it cut off. And he's been out three weeks. Three weeks that's now. Crazy. That's an example of inappropriate dress. There is a law that is trying to pass through Congress called the uh called the what's it called? Not the Dove Act. The Crown Act, called the Crown Act, that is fighting for hair equity amongst all employees. Because did you know, in 37 states, it's still illegal for black women to wear cornrows to work. It's illegal to have micro braids on Monday, but have a perm on Friday at work in certain states. You can be fired as a black woman for wearing certain hair as a black person. Shit, look at my man from Texas. You can be fired and unjustly punished for the hair that you wear around the office. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I think of dress that has been flagged to be inappropriate, I'm thinking of something that's culturally significant, something that's maybe unique to your race, something that's maybe unique to how you express yourself. 
<laughs> Sweetheart. <laughs> Sweetheart. The Senate last week, because one senator, he had some, I think he had some health problems as well. Mm-hmm. One senator has continued to show up to the Senate in his form of formal clothing. Okay. So much so that regardless of the Crown Act not being passed through the Senate yet, regardless of tennis shoes being uh, um, frowned upon in the Senate House, Mm -hmm. this man's attempt at formal wear has actually had the Senate change the dress code. Wow. The Senate changed the dress code because of the selected formal wear of one senator. And I want you to guess what he's wearing, sweetheart. Do you think his hair might be a little messy? Do you think maybe he has the inappropriate shoes on? Yeah. Do you think maybe he just don't like to wear ties? That too. (laughs) But did you think he looked like this? Put the image up. And I'll wait. Wait, what? (laughs) I thought he had a polo on. Now, I'm all for down with respectability politics. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. I'm all the way down with it. But how come my mans get to show up in his gym shorts and a hoodie (laughs) and that's his way to fight respectability politics and instantly things change. Right. For him. Right. Meanwhile, there are American citizens who have to stay up late at night to do their hair so it can be appropriate for the workday. Meanwhile, because my man's has uh, some some medical issues, the whole Senate has changed their internal dress code to make him feel comfortable. Now, I don't want to make this argument in public because the Republicans and the conservatives are like, this is inappropriate. But I just want to say on the over-index of respectability politics, come on, man. Right. If I was a senator and I walked in to the Senate with my static shock jersey and my cargo pants on with my white hoodie underneath, boy, it'd be a riot. Right. Never forget George Zimmerman chased down Trayon, Trayvon because he had on a hoodie. Mm-hmm. And this ain't got a hoodie on the Senate. Right. So I'd like to nominate the Senate for the Paul Robes and Negro of the Week for turning down, tearing down respectability politics. What, <laughs> what are your thoughts, sweetheart? <laughs> and pass me the lighter. <laughs> I'd, like, I'd like to nominate the Senate for the Paul Robes and Negroes of the Week. Why you do that? <laughs> Why you do that? I'm conflicted. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Toward that respectability politics, but... Yeah, we passed the crowd act. <laughs> Can we pass the crowd act? Right. <laughs> this is wild to me. He's not even in business casual. Not even bi- and it ain't even it ain't even good <laughs> no. like casual. It's you know what I mean? Not good casual. It's not good casual. This ain't high end streetwear. No. These these are clothes from from uh. He looked like. <laughs> He like he shot for his food and clothes in the same place. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. 
This is what I'm saying. And I think there's only one black senator. It's Cory Booker. I think Cory Booker should fire his ass up on behalf of blackness. <laughs> like, if you're going to come casual, bro, come better than this. Right. Come better than this. It's a stain on that. It's a stain on that sweatshirt. I don't know it for sure, but I know it for sure. It's got to be a stain on that. It's got the sleeves rolled up so they loose. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted to say about my young man. I just wanted to <laughs> I wanted to nominate him for Paul Rose at Negro of the Week because he is fighting res- respectability politics in the best way he knows how. But it is just so interesting to me that you know what I'm saying there are some black women that can't come to the, come to the Senate with, with blue hair. But this nigga get to wear the ugliest, tackiest, cheapest, cheapest uniform I ever seen. Does he know he's a representative for some people? You know what? That's right. That's my that's my mother's respectability politics coming out. <laughs> does, does he know he represent me too? <laughs> Damn. RBG Guapo said, "Why go on me, you?" <laughs> and then Buddy looked like a construction flag. That shit crazy. That shit crazy. I don't even know I'm supposed to do that. I don't even know I'm supposed to do that. Here I am talking about tearing down respectability politics, and I'm wondering, like, hey, maybe maybe you got to put some like. Put some parameters on the dress code. Uh, maybe you still need a collar. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, like, it don't got to be a button collar, but maybe a collar. <laughs> Jesus. If I were, he's from Pennsylvania. If I was from Pennsylvania, I'd be embarrassed. Just as a fly nigga. Just like, come on, man. People will think everybody in your district. Well, you know what? I've been to White Towns. <laughs> maybe they do. We got any comments? Oh, Those all the comments. You got any? You got any? Uh, what are your thoughts on my man in the in the sweatshirt? Yeah, he looks bad, but you know, not like bodily or health wise. The outfit looks bad. The outfit looks bad, baby. <laughs> yeah. You could do better. You could do better. Yeah, you could do better. Or you know what? Or maybe not. Maybe right. Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> like you don't have to try it. He's still a senator. You still gonna get the same respect. Oof. When your when your blueprints come to hit you in your own face, do you gotta be perfect to be respected? <laughs> no, you don't gotta be perfect. Damn nigga, put on some pants at least, Brad. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Maybe that's the advanced blueprint that you can wear whatever the fuck you want to. I just think you know sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said this when uh, when the pandemic hit and we got all our PPP money and we got all this all this money that came through. I had a chance to buy a car. Um, and I would remember sitting at Facebook Marketplace and looking at all the used cars, and I and a, and a, an abundant choice or a, a very obvious choice came to me. Yeah. I could buy a car that I think everybody else would think is fancy, nice, advanced, cool, foreign, whatever, or I could buy me a car that's going to last me a while. Yeah. And in my PPP mind, I thought, let's change how niggas look at me. So I bought an Audi and I would love to tell you that when I bought the Audi and I posted the pictures that people were like, oh, another day in BMO's neighborhood. Like, oh, okay, cool. No comments, no likes, no change in behavior. But I tell you, I bought that Audi. I think like I posted an Instagram picture two, three days. I got job offers for three times what my rate was before I got the Audi. Before I even told them what my rate was, they were already assuming that because I had this type of aesthetic that I must be worth 
this type. Yeah. And I would love to say that, like, oh, no, I fought them on it. Like, nah, bro, this is a broke-ass, cheap-ass car. This ain't going to last me more than a year. But no, I ran into it. I got more money because of it. I got more attention because of it. People look at me differently because of it. That might be an old blueprint, though. And is is my man's Senate Fetterman, is he tearing... When you look at this individual, and I say that he's a senator, does your respect for senator... Is your respect for senator restored? That's an interesting question. <laughs> is this the Audi version of the senator? This is, to me, why Fetterman has failed. Yeah. This is not the Audi version of a senator. Mm-hmm. This is a broke down piece of shit version of a senator. There is a way that you can push back against Senator Decorum, come comfortable, and look better than this. Mm-hmm. And now you making your people and people look like people like you look worse. Mm-hmm. Come on, man, get your Audi on. I'd love to tell you that like we're in a we're in a place where the visuals don't count, but that's just not the truth. <laughs> it's not the truth. People getting Michelin stars off of their food because it look good, but the shit tastes trash. You are a senator, bro. Yeah. You ain't no activist. You ain't no informal worker. You supposed to be manipulating folks so that we can get policy on our side. And you out here doing the opposite. I'm disappointed in you. But I'm very impressed with the Senate. <laughs> Disappointing this man. Get this man off my screen. He making me look tacky. Mm-hmm. I got my good unique little black shirt on. I ain't even put my chain on this morning. That's how confident I am in this shirt. Uh, Jordan said clothes don't even fit. Katrina X said if only he had style. <laughs> and Jordan said some decorum. <laughs> LOL. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Dr. Carr said we should honor respectability politics. I think that's just being him being old, though. But I'll I'll revisit that conversation. Sweetheart, you know what time it is, though. It's time for the burning question for the roach. My sweetheart. What's up, sweetheart? Uh, what's up? <clears throat> you on or off the train this morning? <laughs> I'm off the train. You off the train? Say off the train, sweetheart. Okay. We talk about we talk about um, white. Today Afro we talk beats. about the Senate. Today we talk about white people and Afro beats. We also talked about the new definition of talent. <sighs> I didn't expect to talk about that this morning, but that's interesting. Yeah, and I don't want to go back there because. <laughs> uh, Kendall says I always start laughing when BMO goes into the Mickey Mouse octave. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I never heard it before. That's hilarious. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um to what was his name? Fetterman? Yeah, Senate Fetterman. Senate Senator Fetterman. What what do you think senators should dress like then? Like if we're not feeding into respectability politics, but also having some semblance of <laughs> I think, okay, if we're not feeding into respectability to politics, right? My man looks comfortable. Yeah. Are you trying to make your opponents feel comfortable with you? Mm, Okay. 
that would be my question to him. I understand that you want to be low time, low like low effort, low efficient, but there is like low effort, high efficiency. But like just like Adam Sandler then. <laughs> like Adam Sandler has a way of making his tackiness look at least like he didn't just wake up. Yeah. There are other ways to be comfortable and tacky. This ain't it. Right. This ain't it. Mm-hmm. And I would and you know what I'm saying? If I was if I was a fashionista from Pennsylvania, there's no way in hell I'm letting my senator walk out like this. Boy, if you don't go get you some um go get you some fruit market. <laughs> go get you some uh what's they called? Not brownstone, what's they called? Uh brown go get you some brown meal. Um go get you some of the new Louis from Pharrell, whatever it takes, nigga. <laughs> Make your own shirts. But I think he could dress like that, but just not like that. Yeah. And I, and again, I understand like you wanting to break respectability politics, but I think there's a way that you can do that without looking like that. Like, you're going to go talk to kids like that? <laughs> like, you're going to go talk to doctors like that. Yeah. You're going to go talk to other lawmakers. You're going to walk into the president's office like that. Like, they don't all believe what you believe. So even if you are trying to break something in their mind, their first impression is still going to be, this nigga lazy. Uh, Jordan said, I would I would say at least expect him to wear some Patagonia. Something. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe this is just me being old. But this nigga old too. Like, it ain't like he, <laughs> ain't like he the youngest senator in office. And honestly, if he was young, he would probably have a fly-ass fit on <laughs> He would, but I'm not going to cape for this on, in public too much because, again, I told you, the conservatives are also on this point, too. Like, oh, we should be more respectable in the Senate. True. If that's the case, pass better laws, nigga, if you want to be more respectable in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what, that was the burning question for the roach. Yeah. <laughs> How should he dress? Yeah. Better. <laughs> better. More quality, more structure in your sweatshirts. Wear pants. I think that's the easiest thing that you could do. <laughs> Wear pants. Uh, RBG Guapo says the basic concept of fashion is patterns. Human minds are centered around recognizing patterns. So even if you are a functional fashion tactical person, you utilize patterns to show intention. Yeah, you are digitally showing us that you just want to be comfortable. Yeah. I said, <laughs> if you were going to war, sweetheart, I mean, going, I mean, you had to battle for it, right? You got your gun, you got your, your bayonet, you got your grenades, you got all your your fatigue and your, your bulletproof vest on, right? You look around to your next person next to you, that nigga crazy too, y'all both snarling and I'm ready to fight. And then you find out that your general got put to sleep to get a tattoo. <laughs> Do you really think your general <laughs> is about that life? <laughs> no. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying about the young man with the sweatshirt on. This is what I'm saying. Like, here I am ready to go to battle for the American people. And I look to my left and this nigga got his video game clothes on. <laughs> I done lost a step. <laughs> I done lost a step. That's exactly what it is though, his video game clothes. That's video clamp. Go clamp. Come on, man. We're not playing right now. <laughs> I can see your toes. <laughs> Come on, bruh. How are we gonna step on the necks of the opponents? 
And you got to pull your pants up because your, your video game shot's too loose. Come on, man. <laughs> Get me off the show, sweetheart. We appreciate <laughs> we appreciate everybody stopping by today. Make sure you stop by on Thursday for the Paul Robes and Negro of the Weeks. Uh, hey, I got a new video right here on YouTube. Definitely check that out. We got a new article in the New Blueprint newsletter. Check that out. Definitely come out to the New Blueprint Parlor, which is happening on Saturday at the Small Wooden Box from 12 to 4. We appreciate your presence. If you like this show, if you like prognosticating and maybe tinkering on the strategies to create a better black culture, come out on Saturday on Friday, though, I will be at Art All Nights or at uh, Art of Noise doing a live podcast, I think, from the hours of 6 to 10. Definitely come out, buy some art. I'm going to get a little commission off that joint. We're going to have a good time. Lay the house. Mm-hmm. Come on in. Mm-hmm. We'll see you on Thursday. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Huh? Let this feeling slip away oh, it's city, yeah. Happy, happy feelings Break your barely Your mind don't, don't be a man Find yourself Learn your joys and pain Live your voice and sing The sounds in your heart Don't you worry about a thing And don't forget your lyrics This is a reminder of joy Every time you hear it Just you heard about this joy Smile, you can wear it Contagious, won't you share it Wow.